episode 230 of Global From Asia interview series, recording today in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Michelini. All right. It's been a rainy few days here in Chiang Mai, and it's been exciting to visit. My first time in Chiang Mai, I know it's like the digital nomad hub of the world, but been to Bangkok quite a few times where even this podcast was born, but I still haven't been to Chiang Mai, and uh, it feels good. Check this one off the list. Also, visiting schools and uh, looking even to, to live here. The, the wife and I seem to enjoy it quite a bit, so it's it seems like, uh, I'll keep you guys posted, you'll be very early ones to know that there's my loyal listeners, and I hope you enjoy this little preview before we get into the interview each week. Working a lot, a lot, a really a lot on these events we have, we're doing so many events coming up for the trade show season, we have a Iwu trip with Insight Quality partnered up on September 6th and 7th of Thursday and Friday, two days in Iwu Market, where we'll have some seminars, some tours, visit of uh, packaging factory, and of course, amazing quality networking. Going to keep the group small, so if you're interested, check out the show notes. It'll be the first of many, and we are very excited to run these, and uh, the first one's always going to be the most exciting. We also have you know, our cross-border matchmaker Friday, October 12th in Shenzhen. It'll be a one-day full event where we get to network and do roundtables and one-on-one speed dating and all kinds of fun stuff. So I'm really excited for that one as well. And Canton Fair Trip, so much to talk about on all these events, and they're all going to be amazing. It's just amazing how Global Asia has grown, and we're becoming a platform of amazing events with amazing partners. So you can check out all of these at globalformasia.com slash events. It's definitely a great way to meet other listeners and other people in the cross-border industry as well as give back to the podcast and uh, engage where you know we're trying to go around the world and global and and uh, more and more people are coming to us to do certain events about cross-border e-commerce cross-border business uh, not just Asia or China but the world so thanks everybody for being part and uh, whichever way you're able to or willing to now let's talk about this week's show we have Renaud Angeron he is a friend and also influencer with a blogger as well, where he shares about quality control quite a bit. And in this episode, it's a little bit different. We're talking about SaaS, Software as a Service, and his experiences building up his software as a service business. I've been following along and, and working with him a little bit on some on some uh, tips as he's been growing, and it's been going quite well. So I'm really happy to have him on the show to share about his experiences and tips, and he gives some really great knowledge about this industry. He was also on the VIP Live members call, so if you were a member, you were able to tune in live or also get access to video version of this as well. As uh, we, we, he was on Beijing TV for a second, we had the Beijing TV over in my home office while we recorded this, and uh, they were really intrigued that I do these recordings at home online. So I am excited to tune into Renault again for coming on the show. Need unique content for your business? Who doesn't? At contentinvestments.com, there's a network of writers ready to write unique blog, product review, and other articles for your business. 
As the saying goes, content is king. Check it out today at www.contentinvestments.com where you can subscribe for one-off articles or monthly subscriptions. Check it out today. Okay, thank you everybody for tuning in to another Global From Asia podcast. We have with a treat today. I'm excited to have Renaud Angeron from Sync Control. Thanks for being here, Renaud. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks Thanks again for sharing. Uh, I know you keep up with some of the podcasts and you've, uh, you've been on the show in the past, so it's great to have you today. We're going to be talking about your, well, it's sharing what you've gone through with starting up and developing a SaaS business. Uh, for those that don't know what SaaS is, it's a software as a service, so it's usually subscription. I don't want to mess it up. Maybe we can even define that as we go. But uh, yes, yeah, so it's a service. Typic- yeah, yeah, go ahead. Typically, the, the, the customers pay something um, like monthly or quarterly or yearly. Okay. Uh, and that's pretty much um, the way software is done more and more. I mean, it's no longer, you know, installed on premise. It's like in the cloud and you, you rent it as a service, basically. Yeah. Great, great. Okay, we're jumping ahead here. So, Renaud, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. So, I've, uh, I'm originally from France. I've been in uh, Hong Kong and China for 12 years, going on to 13 years. Amazing. Um, and I've been, uh, I've been involved in, um, like I was involved in a trading company at the beginning and then I went into uh, quality control, quality assurance. Been doing that for uh, eleven or twelve years. And what um, what we're talking about today is the software company that I set up um, for about four years ago to actually manage the quality control activities for um, buying offices here, usually in, in in China or in Hong Kong. Very cool. Yeah. And we've, we've been uh, keeping up with, with it. You're a member in our GFA VIP forum, which is yeah. great. And we've, you know, had meetings and discussions about, about the progress. I know you've been working on this for quite some time and uh, very diligently. And uh, so we have a li- list of different items to discuss. And, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to have you share some of these. I know you follow a lot of podcasts and, and blogs about SaaS and, and online business models. So um, there's quite a long list here, uh, but I think the main points we want to focus maybe on. Maybe first. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Wait. maybe first. Let me just um, like introduce the topic a little bit for for your audience. Sure. Because sure. um, um, I, I I've been thinking for a long time. You know, wow. You know, the best business must be software because once you wrote the product and if it's a good product, uh, you just put up a website, do a little bit of um, buzz and like get the right people to know about it and people just sign up and then they pay you every month and Mm -hmm. you basically don't have to do anything. I mean, uh, I I was thinking for a long time, wow, this is great. And I'm sure a lot of people from uh, your GFA uh, community also have been thinking about that. Um, And it's... It's actually um, not that simple. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I, I think is the first thing um, I should I should mention. Um, if you start to buy products, and if you hit on 
on, on, on the right product that works well, if, for example, you say you sell on, on, on Amazon, it can go, can go high, let's say re relatively fast, pretty fast. You, you, can meet, you can probably hit a million dollars in the first, I don't know, first two years. Um, and the faster you can turn your inventory, the faster you can finance more inventory, the, you know, and the, the more you can sell, the faster you can sell. People, things can go very fast. With software, it's kind of the opposite. Um, and then, of course, let's say you hit $1 million, $5 million, and all your business is sort of um, owned by Amazon, and you, uh, you, you hit another kind of issue here is, what is the long-term viability of, of that kind of online business? Uh, what if Amazon, uh, like a um, couple of uh, speakers on, on, on your show were, uh, yeah. to maybe two months ago what if amazon suddenly says this we, we don't need 400 mm -hmm. skus of yoga mat what about yeah. we just offer five skus of yoga yeah. mat and we just cut everybody else because anyway we don't need all these extra ones yeah. just focus on the, the best ones you know so there's a lot of long-term let's say um question marks um but in the short term, it can take off pretty fast you know if you're lucky and you, or you're really good and you pick the right product and you do the right things with software, what I wanted to say is it's really the opposite. You have a very slow, slow, long ramp. Um, and in the first few years, everything is really slow. And you have to expect it. Um, now, obviously, you need to do your research. And you need to, to plan correctly. And you will always make some mistakes anyway. But uh, that's something you should definitely not skip. Then you have to build uh, at least what they call a minimum viable product, something that solves uh, a major pain point and see how people react and then iterate based on that. And then at the beginning, you sell to um, what they call early innovators, right? The people who kind of get it, who are very open to new ideas and who don't need a lot of convincing, you know, just because it's new, it's, it's fun, it's cool. They will, they will talk to you and they will, they, they will uh, implement it in their company. That's great. Uh, but then you, you, um, where it's, it gets really hard is getting from that to a really a repeatable business model, uh, a repeatable marketing and sales model um, where you really sell to the mainstream customers. And that's where um, a lot of people just get discouraged and, 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 and quit. Um, some, some people say that, um, and I really I'm just talking about, uh, software as a service here, but again, it's pretty much the way everybody does the software these days. Um, if you just go into it and expect to see some results after six months or one year, it's just not going to work. Um, you're just going to quit, and it happens to a lot of people. So you you need to set aside at least at least two years uh, from the time you start to work on the product and really commit financially to the time where you have sufficient traction and, um, and some revenue coming in to really signal that, yeah, it's working. We know it's working for sure. <clears throat> yeah. I, um, okay, cool, cool. Sorry. Yeah. And, um, and, and <clears throat> one thing that a lot of people skip also is the planning phase. Uh, it's just going out and talking to different potential customers and really validating that they have a certain pain in their business and you know 
talking even like pricing, talking mm-hmm. what does it mean in your business if you had that, you know, what kind of benefit would it would it lead to you? Like, is there a return on investment? You know, if you sell to businesses, that's really important. Uh, and if you see there's really a need after talking to maybe 20 or 30 of them and they say, okay, yeah, and if, the, if it were that pricing and it did that thing, then we would buy, uh, then you can start to really sell the product. But I, I've also seen some, some people just go straight ahead like, oh, yeah, I know. Like, I have this need. Yeah. I'm going to scratch my own itch, they yeah. say. You know, it, it, it sounds great. And in some cases, it worked. But um, it's uh, for very small businesses, it might work better if you, if you, if you, if you try to, um, to sell more, more expensive, more complex solutions to bigger businesses. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, with this podcast, it's another example or blogs. I mean, I know you've done blogs before too. And, you know, I think a lot of people think they're going to get like a turn to website on and get so many visitors. They're afraid their website is ugly and they got to make it beautiful. I don't know. I think, you know, me, I just put stuff out there. I think even my audience knows, but uh, I, I, you know, I think people are over concerned at the beginning that their product has to be perfect or their website has to be perfect. It, the hard part is getting people to actually care or find it. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That's a, that, that's a very good analogy because um, <clears throat> I mean, you 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 start a new website, you you start to blog, you start, you start to do content marketing, you know, podcast, video, and so on. You're not gonna have an instant hit like you know, whoa. Um, 10,000 visits a month, 20,000 visits a month, 30,000 visits a month. It doesn't ramp up very fast. At the, at the beginning, it's really a very, very, very slow ramp. Same thing. Um, and if you, if you set up a software company and you, you count on content marketing to sell it, then it's one more reason why it's a very slow ramp um, when it comes to revenue. Just because you're not going to have an audience at the beginning. Yeah. So you, you need you need to take things you know one at a time, and if you really want to to push the growth, you need to. If content marketing is not sufficient, you need to find other ways to sell, Agreed. and that, that, that's where it goes to um, in, into another another thing that's really important. I think I should mention sure. for 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 people who were thinking of maybe starting a, a software business, um, is where are you on the continuum? There's really a continuum from inexpensive uh, I sign up myself on the website I play with it and I start to I, I kind of teach myself maybe I watch a video myself and I start to use it myself all the way to the opposite which is we need to talk to a salesperson we need to do some proofs of concept we need to talk with the team of how our processes need to change to integrate this new software and on and on and on and obviously if you are on the, the other end of the, the spectrum, the, the very like inexpensive self-serve, very easy to, to learn and to use uh, kind of model, then how you're going to do your marketing and your sales is going to be, is going to have to be, you know, some content marketing plus some advertising, you know, and maybe AdWords or LinkedIn, Facebook, and so on. Uh, and, do you have like, are you thinking of, you know, what the budget would be and the conversion rate and all these kind of things? Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about uh, the mathematics of making it work uh, because uh, some people price their software at, you know, 
$5 a month, $10 a month. And then they think of, hey, how am I going to start to sell it? Nobody is selling it. And when they, when, when they do all this math, they say, wow, no, I need to sell it at $30, $40 a month, um, which actually doesn't make it much harder to sell from, let's say, $1 to $30 or $40 a month. Uh, when you sell to companies, it doesn't make a big difference. You still need to, uh, to gain their trust first. Anyway, you need to get them to, to, to commit to making some type of change and, and paying exactly. something psychologically something. And then, exactly. you know, whether it's $10 or $20 a month, doesn't make a difference. Actually, not really. Um, yeah. So that that's one thing. And then if you see that people really need to talk to a person, people need to think of how to change their processes. Um, and you need to have like a really a human guiding the process and, and pushing them and calling them and maybe even visiting them. You cannot charge, you know, even $50 a month is not going to make it. Mm -hmm. uh, just because it's going to cost you so much upfront, what they call the cost of acquisition of an average customer is going to be so high, you, you, you can't recoup that. And maybe they're going to stick with you for five years. So maybe $50, $50 US a month is what, 1200 um, a year, and they stick with you for five years, uh, you know, okay, that's, that's a nice little lifetime value, um, but it's, it's not enough actually to hire some salespeople and have them um, drive the sales process. So you might have to sell 200, 300 US dollar a month. Um, so there's, there's, there's kind of a gap between these, these two extremes. Yep. And uh, obviously there's different, different ways of, uh, of going at it. You might have a combination of ads and then maybe an inside salesperson who gives some demos and keep it, keep it very, uh, very fast. But people really need to, to think of how the economics would work. Uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of people go, um, go out and make mistakes and then they have to rethink their whole the whole model because of that. Yeah, I agree. So, so really look at some other software, maybe not in, in your industry, but some other software out there that has the same level of complexity and that will require the same amount of process changes in the, the, the customer organization and see how much they charge and see how they, how they set it, how they go about setting it. And that, that's a good starting point. I yeah, I would agree. And I do, I do think it's uh, maybe even a higher price might make them trust it even more. Sometimes increasing price makes people buy more, um, especially if you're selling to enterprise and also with the, the big sales cycle. So, I, you know, I, since we're a global from Asia, in, in, in years, you're doing it, actually you're selling in mostly QC software. So you're dealing with a lot of Chinese companies. I know that's got to be a special uh, struggle no. or no are you doing with international no, side really actually no um we like our typical customer is the buying office based in china or hong kong of a foreign company that buys a lot of products from china let's say that's Got what it. we're focusing on okay um and in, in some cases, they have tight relationships with let's, a Chinese company that acts as a buying office. Mm. But in most cases, it's their own subsidiary. So it's still managed by foreigners. Understand. Um, now, the, the, um, uh, the decision maker usually is at the level of the, um, uh, 
of the buying office. If it's a medium to large company, if it's a smaller company, it might all be uh, sold to the, the owner of the company who might be in Europe or in the US or, or wherever. And it's, it gets a little bit more complicated because they're always traveling and then when they're not on site, they're not really driving the, the thing. So that's, that's not a good, that's not a very good sign. Uh, for us, we really have to see that the, the, the decision maker is going to have the bandwidth for pushing people to start to use the software and to do all the configuration with us uh, because it takes a little bit of work up front, uh, which is the, the difficulty. But if, if they don't do that work up front, there's a lot of things that uh, they're missing on. So that's um, uh, it's always a trade-off with selling software to businesses. Mm-hmm. If you want them to, um, to really uh, reap some benefits, there's usually some initial configuration that needs to be made. Uh, but that initial configuration means you need some data from them. You need them to review certain things and approve and, and, and test and give you some feedback and so on. So it means they have to be motivated to a certain point, right? Um, and that's where we have to, to assess, okay, are they motivated enough? Yes or no? And if no, then we know that it's better to just wait uh, until they, they have some, some other issues and then, you know, all of a sudden they're very motivated. Maybe it's their low season and then they have time to do it. But it, it basically software doesn't sell itself um, on, on its own. <laughs> I think if there's one message here is, is, is a warning to all the, the, the wannabe software uh, company founders. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, and then actually just to go back to their point about Amazon, you know, Amazon, when you sell on Amazon, you, you can go fast, but actually it's not your customer. It's not real. You're using their platform. Right. You're in their world. So to make your own SaaS model or, or any, well, even a blog, like we talked about, you have to get your own traffic, your own customers. Uh, it's a lot more difficult, but of course, it's, if you can get it right, of course, it's a lot more valuable. Um, maybe we can go into the stages you outlined when we're talking about the show. There's four stages, you'd say, with, uh, with this SaaS? Right. So that's, that's something I picked up in a book called Organizational Physics. Uh, I think the author's name is Lex Cisney. Um, and and he, he, he pointed it out in, um, in a very, very simple way. There's other, other people who talked about that, but this is the, really the, the most simple way of thinking about it. When you launch a software business, uh, it's going to have, let's say, four um, stages in its life. The first one, of course, you're, you're, you're just sort of finding your way, okay, on the market and seeing what people are, are looking for and building something very simple and testing it to get some feedback. Okay, so that's what he calls uh, the pilot stage. You... It takes some time to, to get anywhere near what they call product market fit, where you, you have a product that actually solves a problem for a certain set of, of, of customers. Um, and it's enough of a pain that they're willing to pay, to, to pay you something. You know? And, it's, and the, the product itself, software itself is good enough that they can actually use it and, and get some value out of it. So, just get, getting this kind of right uh, is, is the pilot stage. <clears throat> then you need to really, what, what he says, uh, what he calls nailing, is the, the nail stage. You need to nail it. So you need to think, 
what is the best niche or the best, the best profile of customers that we should go after. Um, and what kind, of, what kind of message should we give them? And what exactly, what kind of features uh, do they need? Not just one or two core features, but there might be some other features. There might be some extra configuration options. That, there might be like uh, the product as a whole. So maybe, um, maybe you need to, um, to suggest some, some hardware. In our case, very often they ask us, okay, this is nice, but for the mobile application, um, so what does, do you suggest? Is it better to give them an iPad mini? Is it better to give them a cheaper Android tablet? Or what about using it on their smartphones? Da, da, da. What are the pros and cons? Okay, so you, you need to sort of give them a, a, like a full product, mm. right? Um, and then once you have nailed this, uh, which means you have a product itself that works as expected and solves the issue, and you have a sufficient number of customers that actually maybe agree to give you some case studies with some proven uh, confirmation that they get the benefit they expected and, and, and on and on. And then you have the wool sales, um, you know, marketing sales and customer success and support, all of this aligned, then you're ready to, to grow. So that's the third stage to scale. Uh, again, everything is aligned. You have a very good system. It's all tooled up the, the right way. And you have proven that if you spend one more dollar here for growth, then you will get, you know, two more dollars or three more dollars over the lifetime of the, of the, of the customers. So then it's that, that's where usually uh, when people really start to, to invest a lot of money when it's a proven model. And then the fourth stage obviously is uh, just uh, after the scaling model, maybe <laughs> there's a lot of software companies that are just milking their, yeah. their, their, uh, their, their business, one. right? Yeah. So that's, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a, maybe a true word. I guess usually it's more politically correct. Like, uh, you know, I guess there's called cash cow phase maybe. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. If, you, if it's, if it's a cash cow, then you, you, it's implies that you're milking. Yeah, I mean, milking, you know, milking the, the cash world. cow. So that's world. true. But that's probably quite a ways right. away from somebody start. I mean, I, those four stages. Yeah, are, yeah, right. I mean, for that stage is uh, much further down. Um, yeah, and many years, journey many years, yeah. But that's, um, that, that's an interesting way of, of, of looking at it. And what really for, 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 for people who, who are thinking of setting up a software company, what, what does it mean really? It means, uh, number one, you need to spend the time to really get things right. Um, and you need to, to get everything aligned and, and, and really sort of prove the business model before you start to invest a lot of money. Uh, a lot of people say, oh, we found, you know, five customers, so we know how to sell to them, or 10 customers, 20 customers, 50 customers, we know how to sell to them, fine. But they haven't validated that they've done it with, you know, good economics, or maybe they just tap their network, uh, but they don't really have a clear way of how to, how to go to go further, how to tap more more potential customers. Um, and a lot of people raise money and, and pour a lot of money into software to make it really slick, to have a great dev team and, and, and to have, you know, uh, two or four sales um, development reps and, and like two account executives to do the closing and, and, and these other people in customer success and so on. And, and 
And then after one or two years, you know, the, the disappointing results and everybody's blaming each other. But really the, the point was, it was the wrong strategy. They, they tried to scale up too fast. There's a lot of cases like this also. So it's, again, it's, it's, it's a very slow ramp and you, you need to expect that it's going to be slow. And if, if there's really an uptick and people are sort of pulling it out of you um, and there's a lot of great word of mouth and, and, and you get a lot of people coming to you, then great. It, it might be time to scale up. Cool. Uh, otherwise, uh, you can't really force it too much. You have to make sure the economics are working before you, um, you start to, uh, to, 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 you know, to raise money, pour a lot of extra money into it. Now, of mm -hmm. course, to get there, you might need to, to raise some um, rounds of angel investment and, and, and you know, use your, your own savings and so on and maybe give some, um, some shares to some key members and just, just to, to, to keep going in the first two or three years or, or four years or five years because you really never know when it's going to start to, um, to be ready for scaling up. Makes sense. So, again, um, a big warning here. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing so much knowledge here. And I just want to make sure we cover these. I like these words, these buzzwords, or I think they're helpful for people. The three different customers, rabbits, deers, and elephants. Mm, yep. yeah, I haven't heard of that either. So I, mean, that, I could uh, guess, but I'd love I, to know. I like this one. Um, I think it came from a um, blog post by um, Mark Suster, a, a VC. Uh, he's got an interesting blog. And he said, basically, you need to think of your, your, your customers. Um, okay, the, the, the small customers, medium customers, big customers. He calls them rabbits, deers, and elephants. And what's, what's the lesson here? If you just try to get out and get some rabbits, well, they're not that hard to get. But if you just focus your, your business on getting a lot of rabbits, you really need to go for a high quantity of rabbits because there's not that much to eat right mm -hmm. you go hunting and you, you need oh, a new yeah. rabbit every whatever every one or two days right um, so it, it might be difficult to get your model running nicely and if you if you try to go what they call freemium or just with a free version and then later try to monetize it can you actually support all these free users because they will have some requests for support they would you know contact you they will give you some unsolicited advice they will they will communicate a lot with you uh, they, will, they will find maybe some bugs and they will expect that it's um, fixed within just uh, a few hours um, some of them will get, get enraged if it's not I mean you have to be able to uh, to manage that so usually uh, starting with something free if you want to work to to sell to um, uh, to, to companies to business customers um, you, it, it's not that easy, especially at the beginning if you're bootstrapped, okay? You might uh, require a lot of resources. On the other hand, if you just go for the elephants, well, if you kill an elephant, you're going to have a lot of meat for a lot of time, a long, long time, great. But the sales cycle might take years, literally, just to uh, from the first discussions to the closing. And an elephant will ask you to commit to certain things that might not be in the best interest of your company if you want to sell to other customers. They will want a lot of custom features and, and a, lot, a lot of custom development 
which might not help you at all catching the other elephants or the other deers or, or rabbits. Mm. So it might actually um, sort of mobilize your entire development team for, for six months or a year just to make them happy. Can you reuse that with, with, with other customers? If not, then you're not really doing software as a service as, as people usually suggest you, 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 would, use, you would do it. Um, you, you're taking some risk, you're putting some resources where they might not be very, very useful. Um, and then they're in the middle of this deers. So you, you need to, to think of, you know, for my business, what exactly is a deer? What is the right size? Not too small, not too big, you know, not too small so that there's enough to eat for a while, mm. but then not too big so that it's kind of easier to catch and we don't have to commit to anything crazy. And if we just get good at recognizing who is a deer and going after the deers and, and killing the deers, just specialize in that. And then once in a while we bag a few rabbits, once in a while we might have an opportunity to kill an, kill an elephant. But if we just focus on our one target customer, then boom, uh, that's usually the, the, the better approach. Mm. And I think it's very, um, I mean, really brings true to me. And um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, I think. Yeah, I think the visual part helps me too. Like you think about hunting to survive, you know, like <laughs> income is food, you know, uh, you know, out there and the... The, the, the long path of starting a SaaS business or most, most any business. So which goes into one of, the, one of the good questions we have here to cover is the slow growth of revenue. So maybe you're not getting all these steers and elephants, maybe a little bit of rabbit, but you're not so full. He's pretty hungry. And of course, most startups or you know, SaaS companies need a lot of financing. And uh, I'd love to hear your experiences and your perspectives on this. So, yeah, basically, um, with software, there's a few things to keep in mind. Um, the very first one is you, uh, okay, I see some people who, who work with um, low-cost development teams, you know, in, in, in India, in Vietnam, in, in, in countries like that. Um, it might be okay to get to, let's say, a first, um, f- their, uh, first product, what they call a minimum valuable product that, that you can test and you, get, you can get some feedback on it. Um, what I've heard many times is that people would have to rewrite everything from scratch. So they might lose maybe three or six, three to six months just because it was not done, you know, on, um, in a very maintainable way or just the code is a mess and it definitely can be scaled up. Uh, sometimes fixing the code would take two years and rewriting for software would, would take, you know, just six months. So people just end up rewriting. Um, keep in mind also, the code usually takes longer to read than it takes to write. If it's, um, you know, poor quality code that was written quickly, uh, it actually takes longer for another developer to really fully understand it. So um, it's, it's usually better to spend more and get a higher quality um, lead developer or CTO, uh, whatever you call it, from the start, because then it means once things catch up, you can actually use the same code base and keep growing it. All right. So um, there's trade-offs here, of course. If if 
if you see that the first um, first few features you you you, uh, you developed are really useless and nobody would pay for it, then it, of course it's entirely waste, right? So you you did a test with um, a very good tool, but in the end it uh, you have to scrap it. So uh, <clears throat> uh, there's no there's no right right, right answer here. Um, but but usually most serious uh, founders these days I see would would start to work with a good um, a good lead developer from the start, and this lead developer has as things scale up will actually sort of defend the quality of the code right will um, as they they hire new people they will they will review the new code they will make sure that the right uh, guidelines are, are are followed and 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 on and on and on okay and all this means you need a relatively senior person. To, uh, to be involved from the start. Okay, yep. that is expensive. Now just, you know, if you want to have a, a, a good idea, have a look just on Upwork, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the, the hourly rate of, um, of good web developers with, with some experience, it, it goes very high, very fast. Yeah. Okay. And there's everything, there's some, some much cheaper ones. So there's really everything, but you, you have to keep in mind, um, there's also all sort of, um, all levels of quality in there. Okay, that's, that's the first thing. Second thing is, if you're doing self-serve on the self-serve side, um, and you can manage a lot of the, the content marketing and, and manage some, uh, some of the advertising um, uh, channels yourself, you might be able to keep the, the, the marketing and sales expenses relatively low. But if you are more on the, we need a salesperson to explain, we need to change our processes mm -hmm. and so on. We need to do some proofs of concept, some tests to make sure it works in our company. Da, 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 da. We need some configuration because it's a little bit complex. Da, 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 da. Then um, you really need some, some, some salespeople. Um, and when you hire a salesperson, you have to pay you know, the full salary pretty much from the start. Um, uh, yeah. But the problem is you only get paid, let's say, little by little per month. Yeah. So even if you hire a good salesperson who over the next five years will make you much more than she costs you, in the first year, she's going to cost you more than she makes for you. Right? Mm -hmm. So the more you scale up, as you scale up, basically, you are digging a, a hole for yourself in, you know, financially. And that's when really people need to um, people need to, to 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 raise some money. You you need to you need to plan for that if you're in that situation. Um, and it's not just the salespeople. It's um, there's something more and more common now in software companies called customer success. Uh, it's uh, it's also part of the what they call the revenue team. Okay, it's also someone who doesn't do really support who who really helps build sales. Okay. It has to be revenue generating, but it's something that will uh, sit down with the customer and make sure they really use the software the right way, so that they really confirm that they reach their objectives, that the objectives that they, they mentioned they had when they, they signed up for the, for the software, for the new, the new tool, and then tries to get some testimonials, try to get some uh, case studies, um, some referrals to other people they know that might, might need the software. Um, so 
this helps a lot with generating word of mouth and, and, and reassuring other potential customers. If you don't do that, you're leaving some money on the table. So mm-hmm. that, that's another, another function that you need basically as you, as you start to scale up. Yeah, customer success. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that in email signatures lately from companies, especially after I sign up for a new service or something, the automation or, or maybe it's a human. But yeah, uh, basically, basically they want to work with you to make sure you, um, you, you start to use the software the right way and you get, you get the benefits out of it and you don't churn. You, exactly. don't, uh, you don't stop using it because if, um, if you get you know, some new customers and then uh, from month to month, 90% of them stick with your software, it sounds great, but actually it means 10% a month, you're losing 10% a month. So imagine mm-hmm. how many new sales you need to make just to keep growing the, the, the whole company. It's insane. Exactly. Exactly. So you need someone, typically customer success, to ensure you do, you do a good job. And it's cheaper to have someone just specialize in doing this, uh, sitting in the office doing that all day long, rather than having the salesperson who closes you to follow up and make sure you, you, you start to use this, the, the software the right way. This is insane. Definitely it's, don't do that. It's crazy. So I you know, hope you don't mind sharing a little bit about your, your experience or story, but you know, you have a very successful blog. You started very early on, quality inspection, and I know it's very, a lot of people on this show, I know read it and it has this, that help, that must be an advantage for you, right? With sync control and what you're doing. I mean, uh, yeah, some, um, then okay. maybe that can help you with, I mean, for basically the point is the listeners right. also, you kind of build up your blog, build up an audience, build up traffic, build up relevant, right. you know, you can you, you leverage that. Maybe you didn't have to raise investment so much. I know other software companies built right. pretty good blogs first or, or at the same time. It, it, it definitely helps. Uh, and that's something I definitely encourage people to do. If you, if you can take some time and build some kind of presence online with a certain kind of audience, uh, then you can start to think of what to sell to them. Uh, and that's, that's what I've been doing basically. So the, the blog is about, you know, how to buy good quality products in China, how to make sure the suppliers do, do, do what they want, what, what you want, and like even how to select good suppliers in the first place and so on. And then this has helped me scale a service activity first um, that I, I, I still operate, which does factory audits and product inspections for, for importers. And then what about the, the bigger importers that already have their team in China doing that? Then I thought, hey, these people, uh, when we see them working, it's like, uh, it's terrible. Their inspectors don't really have a clear standard to work on. They're very inefficient and and on and on and on. And maybe I should um, develop the software solution to sell to these people. So um, it's, it's basically the software allows me to sell something to these people who were not buying uh, my services. Yep, yep. <laughs> you, you could see it this way. I understand. Way. Yeah. And th- does it help? Um, yeah, some customers um, just found the software through the blog and, and, and that's usually a faster sale uh, simply because by reading some of the articles I wrote, they said, oh, um, 
you know, I feel like I kind of know that person and I already validated that mm. they know what they're talking about, you know. So there's, you already gain a little bit of, of, of time. Um, and I think it's, it's the same with you. I mean, Definitely. with all the people even who, who, who listen to you uh, yeah. on, on the podcast, they kind of feel like they know you, right? So yeah, yeah. You, you, can, you, you can have some other activities, some other services, and as they, maybe they reach out to you and they say, hey, um, I have this issue and you were kind of talking about that. Maybe you have some advice for me. Then you can say yes. And by the way, uh, we can definitely help you with that, right? It's, it's the yeah. same, same idea. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, yeah, we're both content marketers for sure. And uh, mm. I know it's it's similar to, you said, the SaaS. It takes a long time for that to happen, but it's I think it's very rewarding long-term. So, so this has been it great. It is. I mean, it's, um, with content marketing, you spend a lot of, lot of time and efforts for a few years. Uh, you, you, you grow it, you have your presence, and then after that, if you keep, if you keep going, it keeps growing. You, you, it's your own platform. It's your own, you know, yeah, it's, it's your platform yeah. and um, it, it's yours. And then you can, you can find ways to, um, to use it for your, for reaching your purposes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so thanks for no, what's, so what's maybe we're getting towards the end. Maybe you can share a little bit more about what you're up to and you know, what's your next steps and maybe how people could connect with you or your services. Uh, sure. So if, um, if some readers have some, you know, questions, need advice, or maybe need some, some help on the ground with, um, checking quality or checking some, some factories before working with them, uh, contact us. Or if you, um, if you have your own team of inspectors, then, uh, would love to count you among the, the, the customers, uh, of, uh, our software sync control. Um, you can simply reach out to me at, um, uh, ra at syncontrol.com i guess maybe you okay yeah put, put it up on notes or... yeah put in the show notes great and uh, I'm, I'm on linkedin also reno and yeah yep great and then it's s-y-n-c-o-n-t-r-o-l for the dot right com. like yep, uh, yep. sync like uh like synchronize yep. control uh, only one c yeah, so there's one C in the middle. So, but yeah, definitely, right. guys, check out the notes. Uh, as always, we try our best to keep all these uh, links to what we mentioned. So, thanks so much, Rono, for coming on and sharing. Great. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks. It was great. Love Global From Asia and want to get even more? Then check out our members-only area at gfavip.com. Here you'll get insights and access to me as well as other members in our private forum, as well as a ton of other valuable knowledge and information, as well as special connections, monthly calls, insights, discounts on product services and events, and more. Plus, it really helps support the show. Check it out at www.gfavip.com. All right, that is a wrap. Episode 230 of slash episode 2304. Our show notes and our photo of our amazing guest, Renault. Thank you again for coming on and sharing. And we have so many amazing interviews. It's so hard to actually choose which ones to come up next. Plus, we have our e commerce gladiator sub series where there's going to be some hopefully more positive updates next week. I got my fingers crossed here. It's been a little bit edgy. 
but we promise to keep things real, and that's how we do it with this with this podcast. I just spoke at a digital nomad coffee talks, and you know we're all about sharing, keeping it real, not holding back. So that's what's amazing about podcasts. You know, I just record this in my Airbnb in Chiang Mai on a Friday evening, and in a few days this will be online Tuesday morning for you to listen to anywhere around the world getting amazing information that may have never been easily accessible before i'm excited as i go into southeast asia i hope to get more perspectives and more new guests actually i met a new amazing guest that we're going to get on the show he has a lot of corporate sourcing experience uh he was engaging quite a bit in our talks at the uh, at the event i just spoke at and uh you know we're getting more amazing content for you guys so more events more content more amazing people and uh and more so if you're interested to get even more involved with our community and support the show we have gfavip.com for that it's application process and we'll be getting some great people to join and support so thank you all for that um the the travels continue we'll be in kuala lumpur malaysia for the next podcast recording intro so thank you everybody for following along and i wish you the best in your journey Bye-bye. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.